And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, note nothing, save uh, a staff, nor script, no bread, no money in their purse. But be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said, In whatsoever place ye enter in a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whatsoever, uh, sh- or whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the, in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed uh, with oil many that were sick and healed them. And the sermon text for today is Mark 6, 30 to 44. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities. And out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into a country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give them to eat. And they said, uh, say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them unto his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they did eat of the loaves. They that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. So that's a 100% miracle, that story of taking five loaves and two fishes and dividing them up and feeding 5,000 men and their, the women and the children that were also there uncounted. That's pretty amazing. Now, remember when Paul was uh, reading the scripture from Exodus, wasn't that also just an amazing miracle? They're in, guess what? A desert place, aren't they? They're in the desert, grumbling. We don't have any food. And God promises to give them food in every day except on Sundays, because he gave them twice on Saturday. Sorry, I shouldn't say, I said it wrong. I got that wrong. 
twice on Friday um, for the Saturday. Um, yeah, got that all technically wrong. <laughs> so he provided for them in the desert. He gave them bread. And that's amazing, right? He did that in the desert. I just see such a tremendous connection between providing for his children, the children of Israel, and then again providing for them in this group, in this desert place. That's kind of neat because it's like connecting back to that time to remind them that God provides for them. It's just really cool. So if you want to dissect uh, these verses a little bit, verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together into Jesus and he told, and told them all things. So they're recapping the events of, hey, we went out, you sent us, here's what happened. Do you notice how Jesus sent them out without food? Right? And now here they are without food. <laughs> and so this should be really easy for them. Thinking God's going to provide. He did it for the, the, the nation of Israel before in the desert. And he, he just sent them out with all these resources. And they were provided for that whole time. So this disciple should have it like, no problem. We got this. Right? That's not obviously what happens. They're like, the weirdest prayer. Jesus, send them away. Do we pray like that? I was thinking about that this morning. Like, Do we pray like that? God, I want you to do this. Go. Like he's a genie. That's kind of weird, isn't it? And the disciples, I think, still at this point, kind of have it. They're, they're not on pace here. They don't get that fact that they're his servants. And they need to ask, not tell him. Verse 31, and he said unto them, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Who is Jesus Lord of? Or what is Jesus Lord of? Interactive is good. He's Lord of everything, yes. Is there a day he's specifically Lord of? The Sabbath. Didn't the Exodus talk about the Sabbath? It did, didn't it? It talked about, you know, six days will I provide. On the sixth, I'll give you the double portion. And then you have rest and the Sabbath don't work. Right? It's a memorial. That whole Exodus 16 shows you God provides, but it also reminds us we have to find rest. Where do we find our rest as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ? Where do we find our rest? We find it in Christ, don't we? We find our rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. In fact, there's no way for you to keep the law of the Sabbath. You can't. And, and, and Jesus even said, don't you know that the priests, when they have to circumcise someone on the eighth day, are breaking the law? <laughs> don't you know? They, are do, they're break, they can't keep it. So well, how do you keep the Sabbath? How do you keep that commandment? There's only one way. That's having your faith in Jesus Christ, who is your rest. Maybe you haven't thought of it that way. But isn't that profound? And isn't there a great and terrible day of the Lord that's coming where we will find our rest? Where there will be peace for a thousand years while Satan is bound? And we can have rest in Christ for a thousand years? And what did the Bible say? What did Peter say? That a thousand years is as unto a day. So 
you have a thousand years coming of rest, of rest that Christ will give you, and that's the only way to truly keep that Sabbath. So you could try, kind of go Old Testament, and try and keep it, but you can't. Not even the priests could. Think about that. And who did Jesus say the Sabbath was made for? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus has called those disciples out to that desert place to take a break from all of the hustle and the bustle and the things that are going on. He's given them rest. He's given them a break. And I love how it says a desert place because that just points 100% back to when they were in the desert, doesn't it? They're out there and they have to rely on God. They don't have a market to go to. They would have, if the day's far spent, they're going to travel by night to go buy food. You know, they're, they're all there having to rely on Jesus and his provision. There's no other way, or they're going to go hungry. Isaiah 14.3 says, And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest, that sounds pretty cool, from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. You know, days are tough. We have all sorts of difficulties and trials and tribulations that come up. We have a day of rest to look forward to, a great one. You know, these bodies, they're fragile, frail, they're husks. And they want to lead us to sin. One day, we don't have to worry about that anymore. They're going to get buried in the ground, and, and we get to just find rest with Christ. Verse 32 says, And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So they're, they're trying to go away a little, like, on the down low. Let's go find, like, a resort somewhere. You know. Trying to get away from the busyness of life. And... We need to do that, don't we? We need to take time to send, spend God's word and in prayer to get away from all that busyness. And that busyness tries to, to get in there. Charles Spurgeon said that sin will keep you from the Bible. The Bible will keep you from sin. And the, the cares of this world, the, um, the anxiety... You know, the, the worries. They're going to do that too. They're, they're going to keep you from reading your Bible, from spending time in prayer, when they should push you to it, really. Right? You know, when you're stressed out, that's when you should say, okay, time out. i got to go stop. But you know what we do? We stress more. <laughs> and we try to fix it, or we worry about it more. And the, the real answer is for us just to stop and say, okay, I, just, I need time out. I need to just go pray. I need to just go read God's word and then let God's Holy Spirit talk to me through that. Verse 33, And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran a foot thither out of all the cities. Thither is a tricky word. Uh, and, and out went them. Out went the, the boats going across this lake, and they, they were circum... circum um, what do you call it? Compassed, encompassed the lake. They just ran, I guess, to go, to go uh, see Jesus, right? I think that's pretty cool that there's this 
drawing of them to want to go see the Lord, right? The trouble is, uh, remember earlier in Mark, we, we saw how the fame kind of gets in the way, right? The, Jesus heals someone and he says, don't talk about it. Like, just go to the priest, do the norm, let it go, like, leave it on the down low. And everybody's like, did you hear about this? And telling everybody about the miracles, and now everybody wants to go see the miracle maker, right? He wants to go see the miracle man, and they're all chasing him. And then he has a hard time to, to do more miracles to preach the word because it's just multitudes coming in and coming in so much. And here we go again. He's trying to go across the lake to a desert place, and here they all come. But despite all that, he actually he has compassion on them, which is very, very amazing. He's not getting frustrated with them. He's having compassion on them. So Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. In, in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah and I think even in Obadiah, Ezekiel, there's condemnation on false shepherds that were misleading Israel. There's condemnation after condemnation. It's talking about how they're lost, as if they had no shepherd. Their shepherds that they had were false shepherds. In one case, they're called an idol shepherd, like an idol. And these false shepherds were misleading them. You can see it today. If you've ever seen Kabbalism or understood any part of Kabbalism, uh, an offshoot of Judaism, they kept all this stuff from Babylon when they were there, and Persia. You know, remember Daniel's in there and there's all these wise guys, and those wise guys are trying to push him out. They're magicians and, um, you know, false teachers, etc., etc. And they've got all this mysticism that they're trying to mix in there. And Jewish Kabbalism has kept that. So if you ever see or hear of Kabbalism or see, here's, that's a really weird thing. I've never heard that in the Bible, but that's what Jews are doing apparently. Well, it's not from scriptures. It's what's going on. They kept some of this old mysticism. Okay. I'll give you an example. They talk about the fire of the word. They said Moses was up on the mount and he got two uh, teachings. One was what he wrote down. And the other, well, it was secret for him. It was secret. It was like a secret society, right? This is the, the white. This is the white of the page is got more in it than the black ink on the page. Picking up somebody's cell phone. And page cell phone? And page? Yeah. Could they both take it? Must be on a cordless, eh? Oh. Okay. I gotta find my place on the page. Maybe I'll just use somewhere on the white fire here. I won't do that. So we talk about the false teachings in Israel, and Jesus looks on them and, and recognizes like they're like sheep without a shepherd. Is there a story that Jesus talks about sheep, lost sheep? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, there is a story about that, right? And Jesus says, you know, if a man loses 
one sheep, will he not leave the 99 and go after the one? And in that story, what is he open with? He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So Jesus, having compassion on them, he's there with one strong motive, and that's to draw him to himself because they're lost. In John, we see Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. Right? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth life to his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I, and I am known of mine. In Hebrews 13, it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant. There's another time where he's talked about, I have my notes, but talked about um, the, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, he's willing to die for the sheep. I think it's actually the same passage in John. He's willing to die for the sheep, but the hirelings are not. And this is exactly what that shepherd did, right? He stood in that doorway to fend off the wolves for, for his sheep. Disciples are shepherds too, are they not? Are, we, are, are his disciples not supposed to walk in the shoes of Jesus and, and live the commandments and, and follow their shepherd. Jeremiah 23 says, I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. Matthew 10, 5-7 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't that neat? He, he sent them to be shepherds to the lost sheep. Who's them? Yeah. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you've trusted him for your salvation, put your hand up because you're them. Okay, I'm kind of worried about how many hands are not going up. <laughs> We're going to dig in deeper now. Verse 35 says that when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. You know, when I think of the day as far spent, I'm kind of thinking it's like the sixth day before the Sabbath. It's, it's just that it's like at the end. Do we feel like that a little bit right now? Like we're at the, the end before this great and terrible day comes? Like is it not feeling like the beginning of sorrows that Jesus is coming soon? You know? The time is far past. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Be, be therefore sober, watch and pray. Now that is a good commandment right there. Be sober. So keep your mind focused and uh, alert and watch in, unto prayer. Revelation 10.6 says, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are 
that are therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things that which are therein, and that there should be time no longer. This is a point where there's time no longer. And it just almost seems like we're getting to that point, you know, where there's not, there's not, there's the elapsed time for when Jesus comes, it's almost run out. And the, this desert place, it's mentioned a couple times here, it's like in a world devoid of love. Are you feeling that right now? This world is kind of devoid of love? Matthew 24, 12 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's a, that's a feeling that I definitely have. You know, when you're trying to test the, the time and trying to, you know, observe, and you just think, sure, iniquity abounds. You know, you make you wonder, how come we haven't been judged like Sodom and Gomorrah yet? Because they got it. They got it bad, right? That fire came down, and our world is very much like that today. I think much worse, because it's a global thing, not just a couple cities. But where were they when the manna came? They were in the desert place. So in, in, a, in a place destitute of other life, God gave them nourishment, gave them food. Verse 36, to send them away that they may go into a country roundabout and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And that, like I said, it's kind of a strange way to ask God to do something. <laughs> I think we humble ourselves and ask and, and then hope for God to do great things. Here's one thing you should know. If you pray for something, God may not give it to you. Okay? He, may, he, he will always give you something better. He will always give you exactly what he knows is the best thing for you. Don't stop praying for the things that you have on desires on your heart, but remember he will always answer that prayer and he will give you what you should have. So maybe not what you expect. Right? One thing we know is if you said, can I have uh, a fish? He's not going to give you a serpent, really. Because he promised that. He says, the Father won't do that. Okay, so you don't have to worry that it's like, this is going to be bad. God is going to give me this horrible thing. He's, no. No. It might be a trials and temptation that come, but in the midst of that, he's going to give you abundantly more than you need to be able to go through that. Right? He always will give you what you need to go through those things. So long as you're prepared to fight your battle, probably on your knees, right? Psalm 86, 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. I just think that God is pretty long-suffering with us when we start making our demands. Verse 37 says, and he answered, them and, or answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Give ye them to eat. Is that uh, aligning with other scriptures like, When I was hungry, you fed me? When you go somewhere and there's a person sitting on the ground 
asking for money. Maybe asking for food. What do you do? Is your heart torn thinking, oh, if I just give money, they're just going to smoke it or drink it or whatever? Notice how all these people are there and Jesus is not going, well, I'm going to give some, but not to, all, not to those ones because, you know, their sin's too much. That's, it's, it's not even evident here. He has compassion on them. So, as other shepherds, we ought to go out and we see someone hungry, maybe buy them a sandwich, care for them. And certainly by caring for them, you may be able to open up a conversation with them. And that conversation you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in may turn into a conversation that allows you to give the gospel to them. And if you don't have people coming or in front of you day by day, it could be one of two things. You're not going out. Okay? You might be still sitting at home. Or you haven't asked. Ask God. Give me opportunities to witness for Jesus. Because man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So yes, we feed them because they need to eat. But they need something even more than just the food, don't they? They need the word of God. They need the gospel. And we want to pray for opportunities and trust that God will give them to us. And when he does, obey God. Preach the gospel. And we want to do it in love. Share the gospel in love. Look upon a person with the same compassion that Jesus had. Don't do it because I got to do it. Right? Preach the gospel because you realize that person is lost and they only have one future unless they trust in Jesus Christ. And I know what that future is. I get a little taste of it right now because I was working on an RV roof yesterday with uh, more like a tank top and my shoulders are burnt. So the sun, I can just kind of feel a little bit to remind me that there's hell out there. Okay, so lost people, the lost sheep, they're going to hell. And they need witnesses. And you know what? The time is short. You don't have a lot of opportunity. So pray, pray God, give me the opportunity to give me the boldness. Give me the boldness to be able to preach that to them. Okay, it doesn't have to be preachy. Just share the good news with them. Share with them that they are lost and that they need to be saved. Share with them in truth. They have sinned. They've sinned against God. You know, most people are going to agree with you if you talk about what got them there. They'll talk, probably tell you what got them there. Uh, Josiah, do you remember the other day? So we, were, we went to uh, No Frills in Port Alberni, and there's a young man sitting there. We went in, or we were walking by from the, the parking lot, and there's a young guy sitting there. And then uh, I walked by. That's typically what we do, isn't it? But he called out. He had this little necklace he wanted to give to one of my daughters, which I was uncomfortable with. But I didn't talk to him about uncomfortable. I went, thank you, for, thank you so much. He's actually got a little horse. He can't find it somewhere in his bag or underneath him. But he's got the necklace. And 
then he started talking for a minute. He says, my kids, he's like, you know, stay in school. You know, and he started telling all these, don't do this and don't do this. I said, let's go get your sandwich. So I went into the store. Now, that store doesn't make sandwiches or supply sandwiches. So we got him some different food and then brought it out to him because he had a backpack. He could carry it in there. And then we talked. We got to talk about the gospel a little bit. I was late for an appointment, so I had to run. But I was able to, to, to witness to him, give him some food. And, but he wanted to talk about what got him there. And, and he even wanted to talk about how one time where he believed that God really intervened in his life and saved his life. See, when you ask God for opportunity, he will give you opportunity. Okay? So if, you ha- if you're not asking, stop listening to me right now and just pray and ask God for the opportunity. Okay? Because all of us, we have a job to do. And let's go and make disciples of all nations. Right? That's our job. It's not to sit around and just be part of a Christian club. We're supposed to be witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all, uh, Samaria, and Ju- Judea, and, and the world. Not just sitting at home or just being part of a small clique. Remember Peter? You know, he, he denied Christ, so at the end of John, you see a picture of him. He's in, in the boat with um, fishing again. And then he, he, Jesus says, hey, cast on the right side. I mean, that would have been like deja vu. <laughs> so then he, uh, he comes ashore, he jumps, up, jumps off, right? Swims, swims ashore, and Jesus already got food cooking. He's already got fish. He's told him to go fish on the right side of the boat. He's already got food, provision for him. And, and he feeds them. And then he looks at Peter and says, you know, feed my lambs. He says, do you love me? Feed my lambs. It says it three times. Feed my lambs. So that's what our job is. Let's go feed the lost sheep. Go feed them. Mark sixteen fifteen to 16 says, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Have you ever heard stories of someone preaching to a tree? <laughs> Sounds funny, right? I've heard stories, testimonies of, of uh, national um, missionaries, pastors. What I mean by that is missionaries get kicked out of a country like Vietnam. So there's no more gospel being injected in there. But there has been. And some local 14-year-old gets a hold of uh, the gospels and he memorizes them. So if he loses the papers, he doesn't lose it or loses the Bible. He memorizes the Gospels and he goes to a village to try and preach and they, they're kicking him out and forcibly removing him. So he goes out into the jungle and starts preaching at a tree. Next thing you know, someone's sitting down by the tree. Not too long, the whole village is by the tree. Now they're like, well, we're here. Where's another village? Let's go find another village. Now, we don't see that so much over here. But that's true. That happens. There are, you, you, you start preaching the word of God, and somebody hears that word, well, how would they know unless they hear? Romans 10, right? How would they believe unless they hear someone preach the gospel? So if you start preaching the gospel, 
and they hear, and they are pricked in their heart, and they repent and trust in Jesus, they too are going to start sharing the gospel with their friends and family and whoever they walk by. Jesus said, uh, how many, he, says, uh, he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. So kind of like take stock of your resources. Um, Jesus talked about that, a reference that story. Remember David? He uh, was hungry. He was running away from Saul. Remember what he ate? Five loaves. <laughs> the showbread. He ate the, the showbread that was actually for the priests to eat. That's a kind of neat little connection, isn't it? It's five loaves. Two fishes. I can't help but think, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So this is an example. He's feeding them naturally, but it's all about feeding them spiritually. Okay, he asked them, he commanded them to sit in companies of 150s. And uh, uh, it's interesting because, do you remember when Moses is being overwhelmed? He's, he's, he's being overwhelmed by the judging of all the matters of everybody all day long. And his stepfather come, or his um, father-in-law comes in. And he's like, okay, I've watched you for a day. That's, this is insane. What you're doing, you're just killing yourself. This is not going to work. You need to establish uh, a structure of leadership of elders and let them judge these small matters and only deal with the big ones as they come. But it's interesting because he breaks them down into hundreds and fifties, then tens. Isn't that interesting? He's got them sorted out. And what I see as a picture in both instances is what Paul was talking about. We are different members of the same body. We're in little groups. This is one of them right here. Living Hope is a company. <laughs> We're a group. And it might have smaller groups that make up this group. Isn't that interesting? Can all be a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear? And then he puts us together in these little groups, and these little groups can be tight together and be strong together. And that could be part of another group, like cells that make up tissue, that make up a member, like a, a limb, make up part of the body. And it's, it's just neat how Jesus sets them up in these, small, in these groups. It's also neat that he commanded them. What did Jesus say? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. No one has greater power than Jesus. And God orders the steps of his people. So it's all in order. There's no chaos with God, is there? It's all in order. He put them in the groups because he has a purpose. And he orders our steps. And what is he leading us into? Well, I don't know what he leads in, it, us specifically into, but we do know he's going to lead you into opportunities to share and witness the gospel. We know that because you've already just prayed for opportunities, right? I printed out more than I needed to. Verse 41 says, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. 
Is there a similar picture where he breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples? This is like a, a little pre-Lord's Supper. <laughs> He's doing it with everybody there. But isn't it, isn't it neat? He does that again in the upper room with his disciples, and he, he braces my, my body broken. This is my body broken for you. Those 12 baskets, 12 is a, is a representation of the body of Christ. All those fragments represent the body of Christ. And this bread is his body broken for us. How many wounds did he have on the cross, aside from the whipping and the, the, the bloody head from the crown? How many distinct wounds did he have? One in each hand, one in each foot, and one on the side, right? So five loaves. They're separate, they're broken, like your body. This is my body broken for you. See, it's even there, he's witnessing ahead of time for what's coming. A picture of his body being distributed. We uh, make up the body of Christ. All these members make up the body. Verse 42 says, And they did eat and were filled. Now, you want to look up the word filled? That's a good one in the scriptures. I have most of them in the notes, so you can look them up there when I email Wendy. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be drunk, not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can be filled with different attributes of God. Colossians 1.9 says, That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual understanding. So wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Being filled allows you to minister to others. Because listen to this. Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So you get your fill from the scriptures, read it, spending that time alone in that desert place, read your word, pray, let the Holy Spirit fill you, and then that will give you the boldness to go out and share the word with others. Amen to that? Yeah? So get in your word, pray, and be charged up to go out and speak the word of God boldly. And they took up 12 baskets. This is verse 43. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And as I said, I believe that is tying us in to all being part of the body of Christ. There's 12 baskets. There's 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 apostles. Verse 44 says, And they, did, they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Did you hear that before? In the book of Acts? Acts 4, verses 1 to 4 says, And they spake unto the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. And be, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus re the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 
this reminds us that this is why we serve others we, because God commands us to. We do it because we want to bless them, because we want to see them saved. That's why Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, that which is lost. And we want to see the kingdom of God furthered to grow. When I read the scriptures, there's no accident that God uses different words and phrases because they're going to be tying again to another place. And here you see them in this desert place feeding 5,000. And then you see the, the disciples taking that as an example and going out and you see 5,000 saved. That's, an, that's a, it's no accident, is it? Can't be. That's a, a reminder for us to go out, preach the gospel, because we're going to see fruit, right? 30, 60, 100 fold. Not everybody's going to respond to the gospel. But some will. And just to save some, it's a, it's a desire and, a, and a, a worthy mission to go on. Summary. God provides he shows he provided in the desert. In, in Exodus, he provided in this desert place. He provides everything you need, gives you all spiritual blessing, wisdom, knowledge, all spiritual blessing, gives it to you. He gave them quail until it came out their nose. As disciples, we are, remember, we're also shepherds. Not just pastors and preachers and elders. We all go, have to go out and preach the gospel. We're all given a responsibility to care for someone else. Jesus sent his disciples out to feed Israel the word of God. Later, he will tell Peter to, lead, to uh, feed his lambs, and finally, he will instruct the disciples to go in the world and witness the gospel. And Jesus is our Sabbath. And you're tired and you're weary. Remember that you can find rest in Jesus. And, and more so, that there's going to be a big rest coming. A, a, an amazing big rest coming. So if you, if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, you get to partake in that. So I have questions. I got three. Are you resting in Christ? Have you placed your trust in him? Because if you haven't and you're just part of the club, then you're just part of the club. And if you haven't, there's only one direction you're going, and that's towards hell. And you might do it in the pew, or you might do it among Christian folk, but you still have only one direction that you're going. Until you take the time, they say, I repent, Lord, and I trust in you. You turn away from sin, you follow Jesus. If you are, and I, I trust most are here, are you feeding the hungry? Are you clothing the naked? Are you visiting the, the prisoners? Are you taking care of sick? These are things that Jesus noted for the last day, that he was going to state at the last day, you are the sheep. You clothe the, clothe the naked. You clothe me, he said, when you did that. And for the goats, he said, you didn't. So... Are you a sheep or a goat? 
And uh, something that I was also thinking is, are you caring for bereaved? Are you caring for someone who has lost a loved one? Um, and that's only because I recently did. And it just, while I was writing that, I thought that's a, a ministry opportunity. Or someone who's lonely. You see a person in prison with loneliness. Jesus talked about if someone compels you to walk with them, walk another mile. Right? Final question. Are you serving God by ministering the gospel to others? Are you? Because that is our mandate. That's our great commission. That's our mandate as a Christian to minister the gospel to somebody else. If you're afraid to share the gospel... You're human. <laughs> it's not easy, especially if you're not doing it regularly. So that means you have to trust the Lord that much more. You know, God gives us the struggles of our lives so that we call upon his name and that we trust in him. He doesn't want us to trust in the care of, of the riches of this world. He doesn't want us to trust in man. He wants us to trust in him. So every part of your life you look back on, and that was difficult, look back and say, what, did, I, did I trust in him in that? Or did I find my own way through that? Or did I, I look to someone else to solve the problem for me? Right? He wants us to trust in him. So if you struggle with sharing the gospel, now you have the opportunity to see God work. Just trust him. Ask him, trust him, Believe he's going to do something amazing, and he will. Thank you. Holy Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would help us all to call upon you and to trust in you for our salvation and for opportunities to, uh, to share the gospel, which is your commandment to us. We, we want to obey you. Uh, you know, the, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help us to, to overcome the flesh by walking with you in your word, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.